0: Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective Podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing on Thursday afternoon. And joining me from Los Angeles is somebody I've known for 20 years, but today is the first time I'm aware I can call him a best-selling author, Clutch Sports CEO, Rich Paul. Hello, Rich.
1: Hello, Brian. How's it going?
0: Hey, man. Congratulations. I just heard about the bestseller thing. Um huge accomplishment i yeah. know you've done a lot of things in your career we you will do a lot more but but you know what cool.
1: um I, it, it, you know i don't celebrate a lot of things brian i don't celebrate much at all it, ex, externally um but i'm starting to lean in a little bit more and this was something that i never even dreamed of being a, a best-selling author or ever thought wasn't something that i actually sought out to do but you know share my story um I guess you know, people really resonated with it and aligned with it. I'm, the feedback has been insane in terms of the amount of people. You know what happened to me yesterday? I was leaving. I had to do another podcast. And I was leaving the set. And a guy on the set gave me a picture of my mother when she was in the 10th grade. How'd that with his mother With his mother. He's from St. Louis. His mother found out that my mother was who she peaches. was. Peaches. Peaches. Yeah. Peaches, yeah. Yeah. Her real name is Minerva, but Peaches. And he was like, Man, I told my mom that I was that we was going to be interviewing you. And she sent me this. Like, Let me know what you think. And when I opened it up, it was like his mother, my mother's best friend Tony, her sister, another friend, and my mother. And on the back, it had like the crew. And It had all their names and it said Vashon High School, 10th grade, which was insane.
0: A wow, she went to Vashon High School that's a basketball power!
1: Yeah, my mother went to Vashon.
0: Yeah, you know, uh, LeBron played against Vashon when he was in high school. Yeah,
1: Mac, you know, my brother, he played against Mac Arthur Taylor, who Mac Arthur Taylor is my mother's best friend's son.
0: Yeah. LeBron played against Fashon and there was a guy from Fashan who was going to Missouri and I think LeBron was a sophomore and this guy was going to Missouri. I remember his name, but I'm not going to say it. And um, LeBron fouled him out in three quarters. It was just the beginning. The I remember long line. who
1: that is too. Yes.
0: He didn't yes. make it, but that's okay. I'm sure he was a great player. Um, so uh, five years ago, give or take, you were telling me we were talking one day and you're like, I want to write a book yeah. and I thought it was a bad idea. I don't remember how I think I told you. I don't think it's a good idea because I'd, re- I'd read several books by agents, although way later in their careers. And even though I enjoyed those books, and again, I won't say who they are, I didn't think it behooved the agent. And so I don't know, maybe six or eight months ago, when I heard you were doing this book, I was like, man, Rich, I don't know. Um, and then when I heard, before I read the book, uh, it was like, yeah, he's gonna he's gonna meet LeBron on the last page of the book. I was like, aha, uh-huh. I get it. And the book, by the way, is Lucky Me. I got it right here. If you're watching on YouTube, uh, by the way, this picture of you, Rich, how old are you in this picture? You're shirtless. Yeah. What's the story of this picture?
1: Uh, so I'm probably about 13, 14 years old in that picture, and Dixie that picture is very significant because that age is right at the crossroads of a young man in my community where there's a fork in the road and you either go, you're either all the way left or for me, I was a little, you know, veering off, you know, like the on-ramp type of thing or off-ramp. I was, I wasn't all the way right, but I was more right than left for sure. And, um, there was a lady we call her picture lady but she's actually um she she used to t- take these polaroids and she would walk around and she would take pictures of all the guys on the block and if you had a car I would get pictures of my bike and you know cuz I was a young kid I would get pictures of my bike that I paid 2 grand for when I was in like the 8th grade um and um yeah and I was thinking about this the other day and I I, th- I think I said this on breakfast club I was like The difference between someone that goes to Stanford and their idea and someone that's in the Glenville community and their idea is options, opportunity, and having someone that's willing to give you a push. That lady was Instagram before Instagram. And she actually sent me a message when they heard it on Breakfast Club. They sent me a message and they said, um... They showed me a picture of her and she was doing well because prior to that, she was having the strength, same struggle as my mother, but that was her hustle was the pictures. And they showed me a picture. So of she whatever. sold
0: the pictures. She she took a picture. She sold them.
1: Yeah. It was $5 a picture. Well,
0: yeah. that you got your, you got your $5 out of this one.
1: Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Um, and man, it was just so good to hear that she was doing so well. And then her son sent me a message through somebody and said, man, I appreciate you. That's my mom. You talking about. And I've known this guy. He's from a different neighborhood, but we've known each other for years. would never even know that was his mother. And I've well, always treated her with respect.
0: Well, the thing to me is like, it's obviously a, 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 a gritty picture, but you were always so proud of your fashion, which you talk about a lot and your yeah. fashion it ended up being a really important part of your life, but you're not wearing any clothes in this picture, Richard. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, Actually, I some- am.
1: the significance of those Tommy boxers were fashion to have on those okay. Tommy boxers was a fashion thing. And today, you know, me and Tommy talk and we spend time. I went to Queens to see his whole archive. and We talked about doing a collab together and stuff like that prior to, and just that whole juxtaposition, Brian of a kid who in that picture was doing everything and to, to, to wear the clothes and buy the clothes and, you know, taking chances and, you know, all type of stuff. And then now today I'm sitting here, you know, having conversations with Tommy himself. It's just life, man. You know?
0: Yeah. I mean, I've heard you talk about that before where, you know, you bought all the Tommy Hilfiger stuff when you were younger and now you're, you're, you know, the man, but I actually think from my perspective, one of the more interesting things that's happened to you is that you were really into the throwback jerseys um and you were working with a guy and i forget the guy's name who owned the store in atlanta and you were flying andy down Hyman. to atlanta and andy, andy yeah you you were you were basically you know turnkey you were buying his stuff uh and then reselling it out of your car and you were selling tons of it i remember i think you yes. wrote in the book 10 to 15 grand a month in the yeah. late nineties. Like that was huge. Late, real, early, money. Late, That's real money 2000s, now, yes. sir. That's yes. real money early now. 2000s, yeah. And, um, you wanted to invest in his store. I did. And, yeah. And, and he wouldn't let you invest cause you had money. I don't, I know I, I'm going to kind of jump around here. I really, the book is, uh, just trust me. <laughs> um, you had money because of your, your, you were hustling. You were, selling it was drugs a collective
1: thing things. it was all yeah. types But you of had
0: things. money it wasn't yes. like you had already bought a house you yes. know so uh by the way one of the most impressive things in here uh is the fact that you bought a house when you were 19 and you got a loan yeah, yeah. I know was that the first time sell- buyers. Pro-
1: it was a first time buyer's program that an older gentleman told me about and I had a bank account you know and I would make sure I was putting my money in my bank account and, and things like that every time I hit the number I put, you know, you can cash a lottery ticket and it goes into your bank account and stuff like that. It was a first time buyers program through Fifth Third. Yeah. I still own that house, by the way.
0: Is that right? Huh. Yeah. So you bought it. So to, so if, if I was hearing that story when I was 19, I'd be like, OK, he's got a house. And I had moved on at 45 because <laughs> I have bought some houses. Yeah. The idea that you could buy a house when you were 19. That's something. All right. Anyway, so you had some money you wanted to invest the guy wouldn't let you invest he 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 wanted you to work for him but the reason yeah. that what i back to hill figure like a year or so ago i don't know how recently you invested in Mitchell and Ness so yeah you are and you were you know a lot of, it was part of a number of nba type folks i know lebron kd yeah other folks um and Mitchell and Ness is owned by fanatics but i you now are an owner a part owner of the Mitchell and Ness of the the product that you were selling Twenty years ago, and to me, that has to be fulfilling. It's only right, though,
1: right?
0: Well, it's 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 only right, but it's not something that you get to see very often. Not
1: something that you get to see, no. But when that opportunity came, I'm saying it's only right because if you think about it, everybody out of everybody in that group of ownership at Mitchell and Ness, the authenticity. And the one with the most knowledge and information and relatability, the whole nine it's right here. It's right here, you know. I remember Jared Jack was at um Jared Jack was at Nike camp. I went to Nike camp. maybe it was Jared Jack's brother, but anyway, everywhere we went, I would take my jerseys with me. And this after I met LeBron, after we started hanging, whether it's Chicago, I got my jerseys outside of hoops when Antoine Walker and Jawan Howard and those guys would be up there playing pickup. Hoops
0: Gym was uh, Tim Grover's gym in outside Chicago, where Jordan used to play and where LeBron met Jordan when he was like sixteen. Yeah,
1: and so we would go up there, and man, when they come out, I had my my jerseys, and and when we went to the Nike camp
0: on that I had str- my on that like street right outside Hoops Jim, yeah, you would just park your the car hoops. right there.
1: West yeah. Loop. I'm inside the parking lot. I'm inside the parking lot. You know, West Loop. Yeah. Whatever car we took, my man G had a cat. But whatever car we took, I had my jerseys in the trunk. One thousand percent. I went nowhere. Like Linus had his blanket on Charlie Brown. <laughs> I went nowhere without my jerseys. And and because I had the flexibility, I was DoorDash before DoorDash.
0: Right. But with jerseys, yeah, and also you couldn't. Amazon, you couldn't go to Amazon and get a Warren Moon jersey or a no. Sun or whatever.
1: No, you couldn't. And the key to me, though, selling my jerseys was this whatever the price tag said, is what I sold it for. Where at that time, the malls, because it was a monopoly, nobody else had them, they could take a $300 jersey and sell it for $500 because you couldn't go on Amazon and get nothing. And where else are you going to get it from? So right. they had to- supply and demand. I'm the only one that you can get it from, especially in Cleveland. And you know what the the bigger issue was? I got called on by a guy called Mitchell Inness and said, "Hey, Rich is short stopping me because he can hang out in the mall and shortstop people from which I really wasn't <laughs> doing this. I wasn't doing that." But I had I had Browns players, I had Indians players, I had, you know, I mean Guardians today, but back then it was Indians. But I had, yeah, and I did the same thing. And there's a guy, when we was in Chicago, I used to go to the Nike Town every day. I went to Nike Town every day. We stayed in Chicago, and I went every day. So that was just I was just sick in the head with this stuff, and I met this kid named Terry, and me and Terry got cool. And we ended up trading jerseys one time. And so he said, man, every time you come in, you got a new jersey on. And I said, yeah, what's up? He said, man, where are you getting all these jerseys from? I said, I sell them. I have them. Like, I I got them. And he couldn't believe it. So when he got off work, he came to see me. And I showed him. He was like, oh, my God. He was like, man, how much is that? I was like, it's 300 He was like, man, they selling that jersey for 500 up at Tony's. I know what Tony's was. Right. He was like, "Will you go up there with me because I want you to see this. He took me to the north side of Chicago. I had never been to a place called Tony's, and I go in and got the jerseys hung up. And he was like, "My man got these jerseys for 300. Y'all sell them and, and they couldn't believe it. And I had stuff that didn't come that they didn't even have. They wasn't getting the stuff I had for another month or so because I get I'm pick. I get to pick in the litter. It was it was right, great. You would fl- was, you
0: would fly down to Atlanta. You would work for Andy, and then like you would be able to buy. What he had at cost, essentially.
1: At cost, on the spot, like 40% off. But then it got to the point to where me and Andy was so close, he would just, I had him ship it. I used to have people take me to the post office. I would get a money order. Overnight, the money order, next day air for my, what I want. And then I would pick it out over the phone and then he would ship it to me next day air. I would include the next day air fee for him to ship it back to me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, what were the two jerseys that LeBron, uh, quote unquote, got in trouble for? One of the most ridiculous things. I don't. You don't, remember, things. He, I don't I
1: know what? I know one
0: was unselled but I don't remember what the other one was. But he, but but the thing about it is he, he was
1: doing that for someone else. He had all the jerseys. Yeah, that's the the yeah. the, the I think it was the, the If you look at the 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 Adidas camp, the ABCD camp, in T. day he had on a. A uh, 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 Rams number 12 I want to say the guy's name is James Harris quarterback um,
0: so yeah so uh, in the summer of his junior senior year he went to the Adidas ABCD camp in New Jersey and we he left was, Nike
1: went to Adidas right
0: so yeah this is my what of my this is a great story so this is right before LeBron's going to sign his shoe deal or a year before he signed a shoe deal the year before he yes. broke he broke his wrist in Chicago he got, I was with he got undercut it's probably the worst injury his career, right? Knock on at, wood.
1: At the MAC. Yeah, that was at the MAC Irving tournament. That was at Julian High School.
0: He got undercut, going on a dunk, broke his wrist. So he couldn't play in the summer tournament. So he went to the Nike camp in Indianapolis and did a press conference wearing Adidas shoes. And then you got, I don't remember which was first. And then he, and he went, went to...
1: Adidas and wore Air Force Wands. That's <laughs> great.
0: I loved it. Because
1: the jersey he wore, <laughs> it wouldn't have looked right if he wore... A shoe that had all the colors of the jersey in it. So he just wore a white Air Force One.
0: But he had a jersey. I made sure were you and you everything. were already at that point? Were you helping him with style at that point? Yeah. Okay. All I right, I'm help. all over the place. All right. Yeah, okay. I'm all, all over good. the place. Don't all right. So it. 20 years ago, anyway. I I remember Rich, you I remember you were in the first TV commercial LeBron ever did. The Which was which was for Sprite which is a great commercial, even to this day. Oh, the neck all the LeBron yeah. commercials is in the top 10. You can tell them what happened in the commercial. You were in the commercial.
1: Yeah, I was. that was the net crack commercial. It was all on the couch and you had to do the whole, you know. And it was like a, a spoof almost, like a net crack, but it ended up being the Sprite bottle, which was pretty cool. Um, right. And that commercial ran and ran and ran. And at that time, you know, I was just still trying to figure things out. I hadn't had a role at all.
0: Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. So you that basically I just saw you as a guy who LeBron trusted and was with. I mean, I I didn't know what you did. I didn't you do some modeling. Didn't true or false. You modeled for for Rock Aware Jay-Z.
1: Yes. That was in 2007. What was. Oh, that was I thought
0: that was like 2004. No, no, no. That was
1: October 2006. We was in Africa. And that that campaign came out in the vibe magazine in 2007 when All-Star Weekend was in Vegas.
0: Okay. It came out
1: that weekend because everybody was getting it in the airport and they would open up the vibe magazine and boom, there I am. And like, what the hell? You know.
0: I uh, hope people are like, Rich is modeling. All yeah. right. So anyway, um, two things happened when you be when you decide to become an agent. Two uh-huh. things happened where I was like okay this this guy might make it which you have made it breaking news um one was the first game leBron was gone from cleveland the beginning of the the low period for, for cleveland uh-huh. you were at the game
1: I was at the even though
0: that? even though like anybody with LeBron was generally persona non grata there. You came to the game. Yes. And they won. I think they won that game. Like they beat the Lakers or something.
1: The Cavs. It was a home opener. I don't know if they it was I don't know if it was the Lakers in the home opener. They I think they played We have to look it up. I, uh, I they thought they stuff. won.
0: Anyway, that so that told me a lot. Also the fact that when LeBron left to go to Miami, you were the one who called Dan Gilbert to, to tell him. Yeah. Yeah. How about that? I'll bet that was a fun phone call.
1: Well, you know, fun or not, it was the right thing to do for me. Right. That, like, because I'm just someone integrity matters, you know. And so despite how someone may feel or whatnot, I think it was I thought it was important to for him not to hear it on TV.
0: Okay, so the second um thing that happened was when the Heat lost in the finals uh-huh. to the Mavericks in the moments after the game. I don't know if you remember this. In the moments after the game, uh, this is like the lowest point of LeBron's career at that moment. Um, the Heat are devastated. They've let this final slip through their hands. LeBron, frankly, has played very poorly, not necessarily in that game six, but certainly in the couple of games before that. Um, and I ran into you and um we had a conversation and I don't remember exactly what you said, but basically um, you had a a very good handle on the situation. Like you totally got that. This was a setback, but it's not the end of the world and we're going to be better from this. And that was within seven minutes after the end of the game, when emotions would be, would be flying. And this is laughable now because I know how you operate. I know that you're all business And this is one of the things I would tell people about you. I may have even said this on this podcast before is that no matter what you want to say about rich, he is a businessman. And so this book, this is where I'm getting to is where I can kind of understand where that comes from. Um, and that's why I think that's why I didn't understand when I said to you, don't write this book because I thought it would hurt you more than it would help you. Um, and then i read it and i go okay now i get it you know you tell a story you know i'm thinking that you're recovering from a low moment with dignity and, and and integrity and i realize in reading this book that it wasn't in the top 1000 and like you no. tell a story about this guy you knew cactus i would she would tell the story about cactus real quick yeah uh,
1: so my, yeah, my friend, Cactus, who, and I, and I tell this story because I want kids to understand perspective and what we struggle with as young black men. So Cactus is my friend. We grew up on the street next to each other. I grew up on Edmonton, he grew up on Woodside, on the east side of Cleveland, in the Cleveland community. This particular time, we and we've gambled a thousand times, but this particular time I win, but it's a different type of win and cactus has a different type of energy about me winning. Now, a lot of times when situations like this happen, people don't know how to communicate what they're actually feeling.
0: How old are you at this time?
1: I'm a sophomore
0: because I know exactly
1: situation. what I had. On. I know exactly what I had on. Yeah, I think I'm a, I'm a sophomore. Okay. Maybe my junior year because I had on the Griffies, black Griffies, and, and Tommy uh, sweatpants. But what happened was. Um for this particular time, this may have been all the money that Cactus had. Whereas in other times, it may have been because you never know what's happening in somebody's life during the course of a day. So anyway, I'm getting a different energy from him. And oftentimes when things take place, it's because someone is reluctant to actually communicate to you how they feel because they are they are scared of being judged and in the black community we do so much judging of one another that you don't want to be embarrassed by something so it's it stops you from communicating in a way that you actually should so in this scenario i was I can feel it my spidey senses go up and so now I have to get to in position to where I can protect myself, right? I do this, and he and I have a conversation. But now this conversation, where it should have came from, was just like, look, man, bro, that was all the tea in China for me. Look out for me, man. I'll get back with you. I would have had no problem. But now I have to have a conversation also while exuding that you got to respect me as well because... You know, that's just how it was in the neighborhood. And so we have that conversation. And we actually got past that and was really friends. And the thing about it is, in that moment.
0: But he was going to rob you.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. In that moment, he had to do what he had to do in that moment for him. Right? That's just how it was. For me, I had to do what I had to do by better positioning myself having an understanding that this is not who he is per se, especially not towards me, but in this moment, he has to do what he has to do because I don't know what's behind the wall of life for him. And this is important. This is important right now. So I positioned myself to where it prevented him from doing something that he probably would have regretted later because this is the same guy on this day. He would have had to do this, but on any other day, if me, and, if me and him were together and we had an issue, we we lock it in. We, we you know, we standing back our, with our backs to each other against anything that's in front of us. Because we was from the same neighborhood. But that's how the neighborhood is. Today, you can all be together. And tomorrow, someone may have to do something that they regretted doing. But in that moment, they felt they had to do it. All because... They lack communication skills, and they do not want to be judged. So I had to position it to where I can make him feel like, "Look, man, I'm not going to judge you. Just tell me the real. It's between me and you." And it's and it's and it really stayed between him and I until the book came out.
0: And I didn't. Well, but he he was gonna he you he you took all of his money. He was gonna rob you and do no do who knows what. Yeah. When, when you parted ways you you lent him money back. Yes. And later on he went to jail for
1: He's in jail now for a murder. Yeah.
0: Right. Okay, so and that was the so situation. We know. Yeah. Where... yeah.
1: Yeah. So the capabilities was there, you know.
0: And then while he was in jail, you paid for his child to go to school. One day I had
1: a, got a call and it was like, you know, kids need some, just, you know, son needs some school clothes or whatever. And that's my man. Like, yeah, cool. No problem. Like, you know, because I understand people.
0: So yeah. like, this is what I'm saying. Like I'm, I'm thinking about how you're handling tough situations and how you're hand. And I mean, I'm look, I'm from Akron. I know what it means to be from Glenn, or at least I know the concept of what it means to be from Glenville. Yeah. I don't know what it's like every day. I don't pretend to know that, yeah. but I have a general idea of what it's like. I knew that we, we were never supposed to go to, St. Clair, he's St. Clair. No way. Yeah. Uh, and you would have probably told me, yeah, don't come around. I would um, tell you that today. Right. <laughs> so I'm just saying, though, that like that interaction with that guy, where it could have gone sideways, that was a negotiation that you were yes. having in your age 16, 17. And here I am, like watching you work negotiations 15, 20 years later, that I'm saying, oh, okay, he's handling this with a lot of business sense and a lot of, um, Uh, experience, but really, and that's what this book taught me is that you'd been doing that for a long time.
1: A very long time. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And you know, you used to say to me, you used to complain to me sometimes like, look, I'm getting treated a certain way by the media, by a team, by whatever, by the league, whatever. And it's just because I'm me. If this was such and such else. And like, I, I agreed with you to a certain extent, but I also didn't fully understand it until, until one thing happened rich and that was that the ncaa put in a rule that said you had to have a degree to be an. what was the rule um yeah, you had to have a
1: degree to represent guys that were that were going to test the water
0: for okay for uh yeah. yeah which is most guys you're not representing too many kid lottery picks who were played four years of college um and that was absolutely a rich poll uh yeah it was targeted
1: at Rich Paul for
0: sure. So when you heard that, at me for sure, yeah. When you heard that, what did you do? What did you think, and what did you do?
1: At first, I was just like, whatever. But then when it dawned on me, I'm like, now that's bullshit. So I, I you know, I that's when I wrote the update because I'm like, okay, as much as it's about me, it's not about me per se in terms of them being able to hurt me because I can navigate around anything, right? That's whatever. But it's about the people coming behind me. And the trail I'm blazing should supposed to make it easier for the next person, despite what color, what gender, what background you come from. It's, a, you know, you can be defined by your business card, or your business card to define you. There's a lot of entitled people in our business. There's a lot of people in our business with positions that are assholes, that are spoiled that are that does things with malice and don't really care about the, the, the player they represent or their families. And, they, and we know this. It's all part of our industry. But then there are some people that are a little bit different. Not many, but there are. But the ones coming up, especially the ones that aspire to be in the business because they look at me as an example, this is all they know because this is all I exude in hopes of changing the landscape of the business. Because prior to, most agents knew what the family lacked financial stability they perceived them as dummies all the way through from mom dad grandmother down to player down to siblings etc
0: this wasn't just with basketball players this is with generally all black talents this yes, entertainers yes. whatever this was right. you know
1: and the person coming through the door alongside the athlete was perceived as entourage hanger-on, all those things. And this is what makes me so upset now when these guys next to the athlete still does these same low-level thought process type of moves about the bag. like It's so idiotic to still be stuck in the same place to where, yeah, you can have the bag all you want. But the day that bag get a hole in it, in the bottom of it, then what you got? You got nothing. How about the positioning? How about the perception that increases the positioning and the capable and building the capabilities to enhance the positioning? And then that positioning allows you to have some decision making power.
0: This is the problem. The problem is while you've been very successful and you continue to be very successful, there are many others who either are trying to follow in your footsteps or came before you where it didn't go well. And so the NCAA with a straight face or whoever, or whether it's a team or whoever can say, well, they're just trying to protect the player by putting in a rule. That's, like that's BS
1: because we yeah. know this for a fact in our industry, you can basically tell, okay, if the kid goes to this school, they're going to this representation. Why you didn't stop that?
0: That's true. Yeah. Well, I mean, nowadays you see guys who are, there's 15, 16-year-olds who have agents already. I mean, there's a, you know, I know that you've-
1: you NIL, know, NIL is really, it's, it's, NIL is necessary, but it needs to be controlled, if that makes
0: sense. Okay, I don't want to go down that path. I want to read something that you wrote here. This is uh, probably one of the most interesting lines in your book that I read. I wrote it down immediately. My business today, the agent business, player representation business, has refs and rules but no integrity or honor and definitely none of the consequences I grew up with. I think it's one of the most important sentences I'd what you could expand on that, what you mean by that.
1: Yeah, I grew up in an environment to where we played the game with no refs and consequences. Today there's refs and rules. You got the MBPA, you got the league, you got, you know, agents that have bosses or whatnot that they report to, et cetera.
0: I mean even the but media yet, to a certain extent can be a backstop.
1: Media as well and and nowadays it's even worse with media because everyone has a voice. Everybody's media today. And so all right. it takes what, like for me what most agents do they 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 leak something to um you know a guy who has a podcast or a platform and tell him to bash Rich Paul and they do it but it, you know whatever. But yeah, but there's no integrity because most of these agents today, as, and especially from, as it pertains to me, the one thing they do, and I've, I've, been, I've been consistent with this across the board, they go in households and they only want to talk bad about Rich Paul. To me, that should be the biggest red flag for any family. I don't go to anybody's household and talk bad about nobody. And there's no consequences, but there is a consequence with me, because when I see you, it's a different tone, it's a different energy. And we'll have a conversation about it. And whatever that conversation leads to, then it is what it is. But I just look at things different because it's one thing to be in competition and be in business and may the best man win. That's part of it. It's another thing to do things with malice, to do things with the lack of integrity, to lie, to just tell a blatant, flat out lie. You remember. Brian, when I first started my business, LeBron owned it. LeBron owns his business, right? And like, what are you talking about? That doesn't even make sense. But at the end of the day, based upon who I, that, that, that was so disrespectful because what they're saying is, it's no way that LeBron would sign with this guy without owning his business. But on the reverse side, well, then, why would they sign with Jeff Schwartz, or why would they sign with, you know, um Teller? Dan Fagan,
0: R.I.P. Dan Fagan,
1: you know, may rest in peace. Why would they sign with anybody else per se? Why would they sign with Rob polinka Why? Because they went to college and somebody like what? What was the, you know, and, I'm, and that's not a slight to those guys. I'm just saying the perception, and it's almost like everything that. I'm saying and and, and advising is being questioned, but everything they're saying and advising is like gospel and it's such a backwards thing. Um, and so, you know, it's less of that now, but it's not totally out the way, but that's just a psychological, um, dysfunction that, that we have, unfortunately.
0: To my knowledge, I don't think you've ever lied to me. Um, what well, I'm going to lie to you about. I, I, but, like, that's the word. Like, it, as for a reporter, I'd rather you not talk to me than lie. Because if you lie, this is one thing I learned early in my career. Because if you lie, and then I go and report or repeat that lie, now it's our it's my problem. If yes. I can't find out, I'm like, look, I, I can't find out. I'm not going
1: to lie to you, Brian, because you're doing the job. And you have a family. And if I lie to you and you go publicly and say something it may be of detriment to you
0: so that that happens yeah the other thing that happens is sometimes i piss you off it's happened in the past it'll happen in the future but and but you've always been all business about this and this and it's not it's not it has nothing to do with me and you but it has to do with how you do business with teams and players i've seen like i've there have been situations where you have a tough negotiation and then you hear like well, this team will never do business again with clutch. And I'm like, that's a mistake because what you don't know about Rich is like, he'll go 30 rounds with you and leave the ring bloody and, you know, and everything. And then another client has business like two days later and it'll be like, the other thing didn't happen. As far as I know, as I've seen you operate, that's how you've always, of
1: course. And we know that's false, but again, that's where the the the, the the lack there of integrity that that's being positioned that's a narrative that's being placed so they can go in families and, and discourage right which is elementary school if you if you ask any owner they'll tell you to act they'll actually tell you the opposite. We'll much rather deal with him because we know we're going to get the truth you know what Dan Gilbert told me one day um and I hope Dan is feeling, is doing doing his best he can. What Dan said to me one day, he goes, you know, Rich, man, you are a tough son of a bitch, but I love you and I respect you. He told me that, you know, and this is coming from a man who built Quicken Loans. You know, he built Rocket Mortgage. He's built, you know, so
0: you've had some some bloody wars with that, dude.
1: Yeah. But but when you think about it, when you read the book, I get that from my dad. My dad had to deal with a roller coaster of emotions for me. People just spaz out about anything. He had to stay calm. He had to stay poised. And he had to be able to smile tomorrow with that same person that flipped out today. And that's just how life is. So this, what I'm doing now, again, there's no pressure here. I can show you pressure. You want to talk about pressures in that book. This is not that.
0: There's a couple of stories I, in that book that are pressure filled. Yeah. And
1: I can't, and I can't expect I'm done trying to expect people to be who I know they're not going to be. I'm, 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 I'm way beyond that. And I'm not just an agent. And I think people get it misconstrued. Number one, based upon appearance. parents. Oh, you know, you should be, you should be totally happy just being an agent. The previous agency I came from, that was their mentality. Oh, you should be You should be delighted that you have a business card and you don't have a college degree and and you have a job like really? Okay. Well, that's what you want to think, but I don't think that way, but that's, that's up to you. So it's all good.
0: Uh, How important was it uh, your backgrounds being similar to LeBron's to you guys forming a relationship? Did that matter? I think,
1: I think it, I think in terms of relatability, in terms of, Interest in terms of being able to uh, be vulnerable with one another and have a shared experience. Yeah, it matters. You know, you you have to. That's the reason why in the agent business, that's what created the pay. There's no relatability. I don't know you enough to be able to have a real conversation with you. You don't respect me enough because you don't know. So the only thing I got over you is a financial game, or, or is either that is that in addition to, I'm just going to tell you everything you want to hear all day long. It's going to be yes, 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 yes. And you're the best and blah, blah, blah all day long.
0: Those two things built businesses. Because you, you, both your mothers had struggles. Yeah. But was real G's
1: though, real G's.
0: Yeah, you know. Well, and vitally end up being vitally important to you. Very. Yeah. And both of your neighborhoods ended up, you know, shaping you. Even though he moved around, but certainly where he was from, I don't know if the Elizabeth Park projects compared to Glenville, but you know, that yeah. Was... It's,
1: listen, it's all the same, man. Yes, they do. It's all the same. I've been to Elizabeth Park. I've also been in Spring Hill. I've been down to you know, to Temper Tops, all that in Akron. Yeah. And I'm. That's just like in Cleveland. Yeah. No. I, one thing about me, I respect everywhere I go because, at the end of the day, you have you saw Equalizer three?
0: No, is that no?
1: Well, when you watch it, you know, Denzel. He, he, you know, he 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 does his whole thing, and it's the little kid is the one that shoots him. You know, so you you learn it. You got to respect everybody.
0: Well, you know? and I'll ask you this. Your your partner, Miss Adkins. You she has a. uh, I know you'd like to talk about her, but I just want to ask. She has a somewhat similar background, and she's from a rough area of London. She had a single parent. Like I don't know if that matters to you too, because either of you. Because again, I'm reading this book. I know LeBron's meager circumstance. I know uh, just because I've read about it, um, Adele's meager circumstance. I know your meager circumstance. These are two of the most important connections you have and you all i know that tottenham wasn't like glenville but i mean there is some oh yeah
1: yeah no tottenham's back no yeah you know again you're right i don't like to talk about it personally but yeah when you talk about if you want to have an understanding of why this or why that for anybody in my ecosystem read the book you have a better understanding all
0: right let me ask you this what do you want to do what do you want to be doing in five years
1: in five years, depending on what month we in. If we're in the month of August, hopefully I'm on the French Riviera, relaxing. <laughs> um, no, it just depends, Brian. You know, like, you know me, man. Like, I, I'm, I'm a grinder. I'm a grinder. I love what yeah, I. Yeah, you do. did
0: nine hundred million dollars in business this summer, something like that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yes, so, I did last. Um, and.
0: You do know. you want to do this? Like, I mean, you know, I, I, you know, you got a lot of clients. You want to do a lot of deals for, but I mean, it's you know, do I, I did you didn't. Exp- Be an agent a decade ago, I would not have seen you here, where you're at. At you know, you you're in partnership with this uh, big Hollywood agency. You're on the UTA. board. Yeah, uh-huh. I'm on the board of Live
1: Nation. I'm on the board of LACMA. I'm on the board of designer brands. You know, I've I've been able to transition from just being an agent and some people want to call it what they call it a mogul or whatever i don't i'm not saying that i'll leave that for other people to say but for me it's just about continuing to evolve you know i don't, I don't put a limit on, on things i can do i don't put a ceiling on it my interests are remain consistent you know i want to represent players i want to continue to be a part of different verticals uh, build out different verticals of the business. Today, I wake up every day, Brian, I look at companies to buy every day. I look at different companies to buy uh, in addition to talent, in addition to talking to teams and, um, you, know, you know, second opinions when a guy gets injured and shoot deals and all that stuff. Like, I'm a grinder. I have my best friend in town with me. He goes, man, I thought, I thought, like, I thought my days was busy, like. Man, I don't even know how you do the stuff you do. Like, you're all over the place. And it's because I, I just, my dad worked and worked and worked and worked and worked. You know, people get it misconstrued. They get a perception of me, um, and they don't like my leather jackets when I sit courtside. And, the, you know, the agents, the, the other agents use that as, you know, look, he's arrogant. He's sitting courtside with a, with, a, with a leather jacket on. It's like, relax, man. No, it's like, that's, that's, you know, and even at the game, I never cheer. I'm, I'm so locked in. That's to true. Different
0: things. That's true.
1: No, I, I just, I, um, it's been great. Look, you know, launching clutch athletics in partnership with new balance. That's a very big deal. That's a very big challenge and it's, it's something that I'm passionate about and want to grow, which is totally separate from clutch sports group. And we've been doing pretty good and, and, it, and it has a great growth opportunity. Um, who would ever thought I would write a book right today? Um, right? Who, I was at the WNBA game on Sunday, game three, supporting um, our, our, our clients on the aces, um, both coaching staff and and players. Um, you know, it, 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 it never ends for me. But I, but I also I'm not I'm not tired. You know, I, I like to uh, and I'm not bored. You know, I just That's, and I believe that I'm not bored. And you know what, Brian? I I have a different perspective on the business and you're looking at it through the lens of, man, I see guys they everywhere. They had this AAU tournament, they had that just doing this and doing that. And man, they gotta be, I don't do that. It's okay. Like I understand you're not going to get every client. You're not, I I want the families and the players that find the relationship valuable. One plus one equal to equal in three, not just me, not just them but us. And those are people that I will go to bat for. And that's where I will lay my hat. I'm not trying to chase, you know, t- 20 guys a year or, or whatnot. Um, and ranking don't mean nothing to me. Uh, I'm focused on the character, both for the player and the families. I'm focused on, you know, relationship building and respect for one another and things like that. All things that don't normally exist in our business.
0: All right, a few quick hitters before you got to go. What do you do when two clients that you have uh sometimes don't like each other? I'm specifically talking about like when LeBron and Draymond were at each other's throats. Uh yeah. now they're now they're buddies, but at one time they were not f- fond of each other. How do you handle that?
1: Same way I handle two friends on the block that's at each other's throats. The difference is they just yapping over here. There was a lot of other action going on. You know? So <laughs> it don't, it don't bother me at all. Um, that's just, it's too, it, you know, you let men work things out.
0: All right. How do you handle it when a player, cause you've done to do this quite a few times, how do you handle it when a player wants to be traded?
1: Well, I I think, you know, you, you got to handle it accordingly. There's, there's been situations I've been in, in the Anthony Davis situation where, um, at first he didn't want to be traded and then he got to a place of where he wanted to be traded. And, you know, I had to be realistic with him to help him understand, like, just because you want to be traded don't mean it happens tomorrow. Right. And then there's situations like I was in with Philadelphia where it probably wasn't the right thing. Well, we know it wasn't the right thing to, to, to be traded with that many years up on your deal. But the client at that time, felt like he couldn't play back for that organization so at the end of the day you you know you have to make the best out of this the situation and try to handle it accordingly um and you guys sit in the fire you know there's no there's no escaping there's no running from and I think in going through that I mean you and I talked a lot everybody understood where things were at and I, I, and I know people were like this is a rich Paul he's crazy he's going he's burning the house down, this or that. No, it wasn't. I mean, you know, my client at the time felt a certain way. Uh, He understood that it's not going to be easy. You got four years left on your deal, but whatever it was mentally, you know, he couldn't get out of that space where he ever wanted to be back in that realm again. Um, And at that time, that's the space he was in. I'm really happy to see him in a different space today and happy to see him moving well and playing uh to the capabilities that we all knew he can get, he could actually play and hopefully he's able to develop uh develop it a little bit better and and and, and do well for the team that he's on now. So at, at the end of the day, you handle it accordingly, you know. And I've i David Blitzer and Josh Harris, I couldn't be close, with Josh, you know, uh as close as you could be with distance in terms of I'm not going to see her and act like we go on vacation together, but if I, if I make a phone call, they pick it up or text me back or, or, or whatnot. And we have that rapport. So it's business at the end of the day.
0: Right. And just in case nobody, people don't know you're talking about, I'll say the name Ben Simmons. Um, What about when you got to do a holdout? You've had a couple of those situations. I know the word holdout is somewhat sensitive because it, sometimes a player is a free agent, so he's not really holding out. But like, yeah. whenever you have to go into a long, stalemate. Will you restrict
1: it? Yeah. I think yeah. that's just based on your, your relationship with the player. I think it's important for the family to allow you to do your job. I think it's important for the player. That that
0: seems to be important as the family because I'm sure that, that not just dealing with the player, but sometimes dealing with the family who... Might hear what a player might be able to get <laughs> and,
1: and why, yeah, no, no, yeah. But you, but you know, you're you, the people, what people don't understand is you need them just as much as anything, and the more you can educate them on, the, the better things tend to go, right? And for me, again, I can sit out all year long. Tristan was gonna sit out the entire year, I had no problem with that, but it's up to the player trusting you and you guys being being lockstep and that trust comes because, you know, at that time when you're in a situation like that, you know, again, the, 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 the vultures of the agent business, you know, that's when they, they send in kites, they dressing up in costumes, they're in the bushes of, of the house and they, they, they dress up as the piece of delivery man, to deliver a message to try to poach a player, you know, are you um,
0: making a, is that, is that you telling us like, that literally happened, or you're making some sort of <laughs> no. I'm being I'm, I'm being sarcastic, okay. but they okay, would okay. they, <laughs> they will,
1: they could trust me. No, um, I'm just I'm just being sarcastic with it. No, uh, but you know, it's at the end of the day, I just have a different perspective on free agency, and I don't have nobody over my shoulder telling me what I have to get done. You know, um, so I I do my I do my business as I need to.
0: Yeah, because I think one thing, most fans, even if they're very savvy, inherently they think about it from the team perspective. I know that there are occasional people who think about it from the player perspective. But yeah, you're fighting a public relate you're all you're almost always fighting an uphill public relations battle. Yeah,
1: yeah, because you have people that looking at what they make on their job and saying, Oh, he's greedy, he's this, he's that, but it's not relative. So, you know, you have to look at it through a different lens and have an understanding of value for this player and this organization at this time and we don't know how long these guys are going to play and there's a, there's a there's a ton of different variables to go with it.
0: All right, Rich, well, thank you so much for your time. I feel like we're patience all over the place and I'm Patience sorry. and poise
1: though, B. No, patience and poise is what matters, man. So I don't think what... I've
0: ever seen you not poised.
1: In so. this world, no, nah, man, this is child's playing with these people, man. Like, not, not, and I say that respectfully, not with organizations. I'm just saying, like, the peanut gallery, I don't worry about. And, and in terms of just teams and things like that, it's business. You know, it's, it's, it's like, for instance, Daryl Morey and I had a conversation on Tyrese, and me and Daryl talking, and we're in Vegas, we meet, and he's like, and Rich, you really broke that down the exact T that's exactly what it is I'm like yeah I understand I educate my client he understands and we move on like it's not it it doesn't have to be what people always think it is you know I can fight with a sword I can fight with a butter knife it just depends you know
0: everyone right but in that particular situation like you've got one player James Harden calling Daryl a liar and you've got your client Uh, who you've got to say okay there's not going to be an extension now maybe we're going to go later say okay we got to trust this organization so like there's always different things that happen but that you know that's a a classic just average day in rich paul's life i would imagine
1: yeah and you know what if the organization goes away there's 29 other organizations so you, you know it's like it's fine i believe in the player and the talent and the professionalism and the character and so we're eligible for something. We're not entitled for anything, and you just move on. You know,
0: that's the way I've always seen you operate. Well, thank you for your time. Congratulations on the book success. I'll see you down the line, and um, hopefully, our next interaction. You're not mad at me, but if you are, we'll get past it.
1: It's all good, B. You know, hey man, it's it's part of the business. So, but I appreciate great. Great seeing you. I'm 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 happy. The season is upon us. I'm looking forward to getting out to some games and seeing seeing some basketball. I think the league is in such a great space. And it's a lot of good young teams. And I'm telling these guys, you can go in these markets and BS around if you want to. You're going to come out of there with a loss and you might get blown out because there's a lot of talent.
0: You're right about that. You're right about that. Okay, Rich Paul from Clutch Sports book is called Lucky Me. By the way, we didn't even explain the title, but you should. No, let me
1: explain the title really quick. Yeah. No, Lucky Me, again, uh, I was being somewhat sarcastic. Uh, Because, you know, people say, and especially just the the bots on on the social media, oh, you had LeBron, you're so lucky. I was extremely lucky for our relationship. But there's a thing called yow. Everyone talks about, oh, you met LeBron, so this just happened. Well, what about the yards after the catch? So you got to count the yards after the opportunity, right? It's not up to him to position me today how I am. It's up to him. If he chooses to, which he did to give an opportunity, it's up to me to run down the field and make the best of the opportunity. So I was being a little sarcastic there, but it's also my favorite Jay-Z record, Lucky Me. And if you ever, you should listen to the song, Lucky Me. If you listen to the hook and my favorite, the whole song is great, but the hook and the third verse sums it up for me. You know me, Brian, it's spot on. Uh, There's also a song, uh, I'm I'm gonna veer off, in addition to that, I was extremely lucky to have the siblings I had, the community I had, for good and bad, um, the upbringing I had, how it was, even though my mom struggled and whatnot, it molded me, it shaped me. And then working in my dad's store, I learned customer service, I learned marketing, I learned math, I learned um so many different things. I learned people skills, right? And so I, I was able to have examples of people that once had jobs and fell flat on their face. And my dad educated me on the importance of treating people the right way all the time. Not when they have something for you to gain, not when they have something that, not when they are positioned to deem to be, uh, you know, this big shot, where they up, when they down, when they on their side, When they, any which way, You treat people this way consistently all the time. And in a lot of ways, when you read that book, it saved my life in a lot of ways. And and when I say that, it's not just a matter of life or death. I'm saying just in terms of decisions that I made in that moment because of how I treated somebody. Or I may have been somewhere and they had extra eyes on me that I didn't even know that was on me that helped me get to the next board if we're playing the game, you know? And so I value those things. I really do. You receive
0: way you sort of sum it up is the trials and tribulations that you went through and survived actually prepared you for what you needed to do and so you were fortunate and let me just say this when it comes to fortune with lebron i'm one of the boats in the ocean that went we got went when when the ocean of lebron went up i'm one of the boats that rose up yeah you are Maverick Carter Maverick there's a lot of us yeah. a, bunch of a, good,
1: yeah. a bunch of head coaches a bunch yeah. of head
0: coaches a bunch of organizations a bunch, a bunch of, of people made a lot yeah, of money a bunch
1: of people yeah
0: you're damn right we were all in that ocean but it doesn't mean that you know uh, we didn't pilot the NBA either. Nike hell a yeah of, a lot of people it's a busy uh, waterway alright thank you Rich and uh, thank you for listening to Collective Podcast we'll talk to you uh, next week thank you